Hey, hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of this episode of The Shift with Doug McKinty. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to the show in order to access the full feature-length versions of the podcast, as well as have access to the members' forum, where we discuss potential topics and interviews and dive deep into the overall concept of The Shift. For only six bucks a month, not only do you get the full-length episodes, but also an opportunity to co-create with me, your host, Doug McKinty, the future of the show. Go to www.theshiftnow.com or patreon.com backslash the shift and sign up today in order to help make the shift possible. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning, noon, or night, whenever and wherever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKinty. This episode was recorded on October 22nd, 2021. Today, I welcome author and podcaster Charlie Robinson back on the program. Charlie is the author of The Octopus of Global Control, co-author of Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, and now the recently released Hypocrisy, spelled Hippocrazy, which outlines the many ways in which those in positions of power offer well-argued excuses for actions that have real-world negative consequences for the vast majority of people. In this well-sourced contribution to the growing corpus of independent perspectives on current events, Charlie dedicates chapters to a variety of issues of concern, from woke culture to mainstream media, and including a critique of government and big business, he describes a world in which what we are told does not mirror the reality of what is happening behind a curtain of control. This in-depth analysis of the current plethora of misinformation inundating the public for the purposes of herding the masses in a direction beneficial to those at the top of the social pyramid provides a look into the real machinations of power thinly veiled behind the lies. Charlie also dedicates an entire chapter to the last two years of COVID madness, describing in detail the hypocrisy of a system clearly designed to profit the few, while mandating policies clearly deleterious to the many. In a world inundated with the mantra of follow the science, this book outlines how scientific data and peer-reviewed analysis actually paint a very different picture from the science portrayed by big pharma and mainstream media lackeys. This new book clearly outlines the extent that hypocritical statements by those in power provide a misinterpretation of reality that negatively impacts the daily lives of the vast majority. Few aspects of our lives remain untouched. Poor healthcare choices, economic decisions, educational opportunities, and even foreign policy initiatives leading to the deaths of millions are all justified through blatant hypocrisy. Stay tuned for this conversation that covers all this and more. It will pull the curtain back and reveal the deceitful nature of a corporate government complex bent on societal control, a system protecting the controllers while pretending to work for the benefit of the people. This big picture conversation will put the puzzle pieces together to reveal the system that exists behind the lies. For more information about the work of Charlie Robinson, to get a copy of the new book, or find episodes of his podcast, Macroaggressions, go to www.theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. As always, please subscribe, like, and share this podcast on your social media networks. 
We rely on listeners like you for distribution of this independently produced information. For more about The Shift, sign up for the newsletter or subscribe for feature-length versions of the show. Go to www.theshiftnow.com. I want to thank Charlie for agreeing to come back on the show, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hello and welcome everyone for this 97th episode of The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty. I am happy to have... uh, uh, Charlie Robinson on the program today. He, this is the third time. I think we're breaking a record for me, Charlie. So thanks for coming on. I've I've uh, I've never had another guest on uh, more than twice. So uh, we're breaking. Well, now this I got to go write more books. So, yeah, you do. Uh, Keep it coming. Keep it right. coming. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Charlie just came out with a new book called Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy uh, about the hypocrisy in the. Uh, that's just all over the place. I mean, the book just goes <laughs> through the list. It's a, it's incredible. And now, of course, uh, we were just talking before uh, before we were on air here about uh, how I was listening to NPR this morning, and just like you can just, it's like seething through the airwaves right now, like like uh, so overwhelming. Uh, everywhere I look, the hypocrisy is, is uh, in your face. So uh, you want to just uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit for, for those members of the audience that haven't heard our previous episodes and uh, and uh, explain why hypocrisy was the focus of this most recent work. It's because of NPR. No, yeah. <laughs> With their sweet, soothing voice as they yeah. tell you calmly how to assemble bombs All right. and plant them around town. <laughs> yeah, they're radicalizing people for sure. The The impetus for this book really came from like <clears throat> just having my eyes open and seeing this insanity that was that had been brewing for a while. And really, I started the book in 2019. I was writing a separate, I was writing a different book with Jeff Berwick called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. And you and I've talked about that. And and there was a break in the action where I had written a huge chunk and I was waiting for Jeff to write a big piece. And he was working on his and he's got a million things going on. So it was taking longer than normal. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start on this, this other book that I, I have all these notes for and all these ideas for. And really what I wanted to show was just the hypocritical nature. I mean, we're all hypocrites on some level, right? right. You know, like it, where it where it really kind of uh, jumped into my like in the front of mind of 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 how I was being hypocritical was. <clears throat> you remember when Snowden came out and he's talking about the NSA is taking all of our, your phone calls and their their and all of your emails and they're storing them in Bluffdale, Utah, and they're 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 collecting all this information. And I was like how dare they, you know, like, how dare they spy on us and all these things? Like, we don't deserve this. You know, like I knew what was happening, of course, but while this was happening on the news, I was, um, installing a baby camera over my daughter's crib because she was like one or two or whatever. And, and I was like realizing to myself, I'm creating this surveillance state inside her room, right? right? I am being a gigantic hypocrite because as I'm simultaneously uh, offended that the, the NSA would be spying on us, I'm spying on my daughter. And then I go, well, wait a second. I'm her dad. It's my job. I have to look out for her. She's not uh, developed enough to you know, take care of herself. I have to take care of it. And then I was like, hang on a second. Are those the sorts of things that they're telling themselves that they need to sure. do for us us people you know because we're so unable to take care of ourselves so it got me thinking about like 
my hypocrisy, you know, and we all have it. And it's an awful trait. And some of time, sometimes it's just funny and sometimes it's unavoidable and sometimes it's not a big deal, but sometimes it's a huge deal. And it depends on who you are and what sort of job you have and where you are in this, um, what your role is in this whole performance that we're, we're, we're living through. So I, my level of hypocrisy of installing a baby camera over my daughter's crib, it pales in comparison to this, the type of uh, hypocrisy coming from a guy like John Brennan or, or, or somebody or, or James Clapper. Yeah. In, in, in their level of surveillance and the way they, I at least have some sort of like, I can justify my, my spying for, for some obvious parental reasons. But it, 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 it got me going down that path of how so much of what we, is, what we live through is somebody says one thing and does the other. And it's really infuriating. And it, it especially we've we've actually in the West, we've become accustomed to it with regard to politicians. We almost kind of expect them to be this way, which is right. setting the bar rather low. But it's still frustrating to me. And it still makes me very angry when I see things like, you know, the guys in the mainstream media doing this. Um, obviously, the, the 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 woke people are some of the biggest hypocrites. They're they're just, you know, they're just pathological liars and, and ideological frauds and, and things like this. And so what I decided was, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to break this down into a couple of different categories and I'm just going to go after it as hard as I can. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring 480 footnotes for this book because I felt like you can't <laughs> that, yeah. like some of the stories are so insane that you would never think you you would just assume I was making them up or right. trying I, to be funny. I couldn't be this Doug. I couldn't be this funny right. if I tried. <laughs> Some of the stuff that is going on out there in re, in reality is far more insane and hilarious than I could ever come up for. So so uh, you know it, it got to this point where as I was thinking about the book and as I was gathering research for the book, I realized. I'm really going to have to document this because it's yeah. one, I think a lot of people will be nodding their heads in agreement like, oh yeah, the world's gotten crazy. But you kind of have to bring the receipts too and show show people because so quickly they forget all of this stuff. So I think one common thought that people will have if they read the book is when, as they're going through it, they'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, I forgot. You know, So many of these little things get brought up and it's just like piling lies on top of lies and, and showing where all of this hypocrisy comes from. And like I said, if it's if it's a minor thing in your daily life and you're being hypocritical about it, you know, you're telling your kids don't eat that sugar and then you go out and get a milkshake. It's yeah. not the end of the world, right? But but <clears throat> but if you are the FDA and you say if you eat that it will kill you and then you simultaneously approve all these other things that most definitely will kill you but those lobbyists have kind of worked on you for a little while you know then yeah. it's like your hypocrisy might actually equal somebody dying you know so so there's 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 obviously levels to this well and tens and, and hundreds of thousands of people dying in a lot of cases i mean it's not just it actually isn't just a joke i mean sometimes uh, I have to remind myself that like, my God, you know, uh, because I'm like you, you know, often doing this research, learning the, this history. And I have to actually remind myself that the hypocrisy really kills, all, you know, not not just a few people sort of, uh, but but tens of thousands. 
I, I'm going to preface this conversation by just letting you know, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to put it anywhere near YouTube. I, I think it's going straight to Odyssey and Rockfin. So <laughs> we can just talk about whatever we want Ooh, because well, I, why yeah, on earth I, would that be? Doug? I, I know, right? <laughs> my Rockfin account's already twice as big as my YouTube account. That's how bad the algorithms are for me on YouTube. It's just a joke. Yeah. Um, me too. I, I they they gave me a couple strikes and then they're like, you have yeah. two new subscribers this month. Yeah, like, oh, really? two? <laughs> two whole new subscribers. Right. Congratulations! Congratulations! Yeah, you're lucky if you get a hundred people watching an episode on that thing. Yeah. It's nuts. But um, yeah, one of the things I actually saw a uh, just so we can go straight into COVID. You know, <laughs> I saw this uh, thread on Twitter that was like, what are what are the what are the uh what's your favorite covid lie that you've heard being spread and it was exactly what you're talking about like i'd forgotten about half of them there were 200 people that responded and you could just go down the list and there was hardly a uh there was hardly a repeat you know i mean there were dozens and dozens and dozens of lies that they've spread about this that is just it's so insane and so hypocritical and i just wanted to go back to my original point like because it's been driving me crazy the attack on early treatments like come on you know what science says science says if you get an infection then if you can treat it early then that's better than waiting until you're almost dead and then treating it then you, you know, right. science science says that. Science <laughs> you, says that. Common sense says that. Right. Life experience says it? that. A lot of things. The <laughs> and, media doesn't. And they're telling else. us, yeah, they're telling us that there's no early treatments at all that work for this. Go home, wait till you, you can barely breathe, and then we'll give you remdesivir and put you on a ventilator. And that's our treatment protocol. Really? How many people do you think have died because of this? I mean, yeah. and why can't people see it? It's nuts. It is, it is nuts. It is dangerous. It is intentional. Yeah. And it is, and it is a huge problem. So, so, I mean, I've had my, my issues with the mainstream media for a very long time. Um, But, and, and I, and I could, when this whole thing started, I could have possibly maybe sort of cut them a little bit of slack and said, in let's just say March of 2020, when everything was fresh and brand new and we were still trying to figure out what was going on, right. I would have understood if they had said any time during this, we're not really sure what we're working with here. We know it's a virus. We know from previous experience with viruses, what you want to do is eat healthy, get some sunlight, take some vitamins, get some exercise, get outside lower your stress level, do everything that you can on your end to boost your immune system. Meanwhile, we're all starting to talk about the possibility of when is this vaccine going to come out and save the world? Now, if they had done that, I would have given them a little bit of, of, of leeway here. Yeah. But of course they didn't. There was never any talk of any sort of alternative treatments, any sort of just common sense, logical things, things that you can do to boost your immune system. There was no talk of like, well, I mean, we've got this ivermectin. It's not totally right for that, but Hey, it's, we're in the middle of a pandemic, all hands on deck, do whatever you have to do. I don't think it'll hurt you. If you take it, it might help you. It's probably not the best thing, but, but, you know, listen, go, go, go for it. Like if they'd done any of that, 
Right. I'd be giving I mean, them a pass. I a mean, little that, bit of a pass. That's just the amazing thing. Like things like hydroxychloroquine, remdesivir, they've been out for 20, 30 years. They've been uh, proven to be safe. I mean, you have to really OD on these things to even start to hurt yourself. Uh, and you're, you're listening to the press and they're getting people to beg for this remdesivir, which even in the peer-reviewed study, there was one very weak peer-reviewed study for this stuff that said, well, it doesn't really decrease mortality, but it may reduce hospitalization times. And then everybody in the mainstream media and everybody in the government were like, oh, we got it. We got this antiviral. Let's do this. In the meantime, they're hammering hydroxychloroquine, which is a totally safe, you know, like, you know, why don't you give it a try? Why don't you just give it a try, people? Right. It's pretty safe. We don't really know how effective it's going to be, but, you know, we've got a lot of this stuff and it's been around. And uh, and instead, they just hammered it and hammered it and hammered it, including with that peer-reviewed study that ended up getting retracted because the data was totally falsified. And nobody's covering that, but they're pushing remdesivir. Talk about hypocrisy, right? Yeah. And then the Rogan situation that un that unfurled, you know, like 18 months later with the, the horse paste and yeah. all of this stuff. I've read, you know, th this is the dishonesty of the media. This is not accidental. This is not, well, we made a mistake or it was the fog of war. We weren't really sure what we should say. No, 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 no. None of that is true. This is intentional. Yeah. Mainstream media gets 60% of their advertising revenue from the pharmaceutical industry in the United States. That's all you need to know. That's all you ever need to know. You just need to follow the money on this stuff. Yeah. So the media isn't going to talk about the things that can save you if the things that can save you cost three cents a pill. If the things that can save you cost $3,000 a pill... And they happen to be a sponsor when we come up to this commercial break, then they're going to talk about that. And that's going to be the only thing, the way they frame it, the way the media frames things, that's going to be the only thing that they talk about. And there's there was speaking of media framing, like literally framing a shot got my attention. Not didn't I wasn't surprised by it, but it happened early on and it was during the uh, toilet paper. Mm -hmm. panic insanity right where, where things are disappearing from the stores and, and everything and it was a it was a photograph of the setup of a what looked like it was going to be a live shot for a news network the they're in the inside the grocery store they've got a, a camera mounted on like a tripod and they've got it set up angled it away so that it's instead of looking straight down the aisle at the grocery store it's off to the side and it's kind of looking at an angle so that you can only see the right side of the aisle and you can really only see about halfway down the right. aisle, maybe a third of the way down the aisle, just the way they set up this, the angle of this camera shot and the way and where it was pointing that aisle, there was no food or anything on the shelves. It was all gone, but the picture was taken from behind the camera. And the picture showed that there was a table set up behind the camera. And on that table was all of the food from that shelf right. and piled up behind uh. the camera to give the impression that the stores were out of food, like a Venezuela type situation. And when I see that, that tells me everything I need to know about sure. the media. And of course, I wasn't surprised to see it. But you kind of hope that like, okay, well, maybe you'll put some of your lying uh, and devious, manipulative ways aside while we're in the middle of this pandemic, right? Like maybe <laughs> you'll, no, 
no, no, no, no, no, no, no, no. Well, Don't ever think that. They're just doing what they always do, which is lying, manipulating reality, acting surprised if anyone calls them out for denying exist, de- denying what you see with your eyes, and then you know some ex- explanation that doesn't make any sense about oh well we were just blah blah blah. Yeah. No, you're you're lying to create the perception that there is a world outside that is much different than than reality. And so when you see that, and now like you and I've been watching this stuff for years and years, we recognize this early on. This is not a surprise to us, but there's a, I recognize that there's a large segment of the population that they're just coming around to this idea that, Hey, maybe the mainstream media isn't telling me the truth all the time. Yeah. Good. If you've just, if you've come to that point, great. Welcome to the party. Keep digging. And what you'll find is that it's not accidental. And then it's not some of the time, it's all of the time. And then when they set up these shots, there's a reason for that. So, so in, in a sense, I, I am kind of taking my optimism where I can get it. And, and I feel like maybe if they do this more and more and more and more people kind of see with their own eyes, this kind of obvious lie then they will no longer be able to be fooled by the magician with his tricks once they yeah. see how the tricks work. So that's my that's my hidden uh, hope. <laughs> that's my buried optimism somewhere. Well, I mean, it's so interesting, this concept of actually, like the idea that the mainstream media is creating a fake reality for the vast majority of people. And I think it's it's important to really understand this. I've had, a, I mean, it was a long process for me. Like, you know, I could start in the early 2000s. I'm like, man, you know, this 9-11 story doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but I, even even myself, who's always been open-minded, always been looking for for other narratives, not just the mainstream narrative, it was difficult to come to this conclusion that, like, is everything coming out of the mainstream? Is everything coming from corporate news? Is it all just lies and propaganda? I mean, clearly. And then when the fake news meme started coming out with Trump, like about 2016, that's when I was like, well, you know, I'm going to take a deep dive and I'm going to go to the independent news sources that are considered fake news or what that are starting to be considered fake news uh, or, you know, check out Infowars, for example, and compare it to CNN and see what, you know, and actually look. And I spent some time looking at their primary sources, like you were talking about in your book, got 450 sources to source your material. So you're not just talking out of your ass, right? You've actually sourced everything that you're saying. And I start, that was when I kind of realized just how fake it was, because, you know, even on Infowars or whatever, or any other independent media site, the sources were all primary source material, you know, like, I mean, they're, you're there going back and they're really trying and the narratives kind of stuck to the source material and CNN or the New York times or the Washington post, I would see it over and over again where like the Washington post would come out with an article. Well, what is that article sourced by? Well, it's an anonymous source from the CIA. They would literally say this. And then that Washington post article would be the source for the New York times article or the CN or, you know, the CNN bit or the Fox news bit or whatever. And then it would be all over the place. And you could literally look what are, what's the source for all these different quote unquote journalists. It's the same Washington post story, 
that sources an anonymous source. Like, right. no way. And even then, I would say I kind of had a, a difficult time thinking that all the journalists are part of some, I mean, you know, you hear it, right? How can all the journalists be part of some conspiracy? There's no way. Right. And uh, But with the COVID thing, it is, and I can't even tell if, I can't tell if they're getting worse or if my awareness is just, you know, kind of broadening. In it's terms, both. Yeah, yeah. Because with the COVID stuff, it's just like, now I feel like they're just, yeah, they're outright lying all the time. They're just lying and people are just sucking it up. I mean, I was, you know, let's talk about this, this NPR story that I heard this morning. I was telling you a little bit about it, but I wanted to bring it up in the conversation here because it was so crazy. It was an interview with the Surgeon General. They're talking about how safe and effective the vaccines are. uh, And they talked about they talked about uh, how overwhelming there's been some polls where overwhelmingly Americans are supporting the vaccine mandates for one. Well, what, what polls NPR, are you going to source your polls? No, they does NPR ever source anything actually? No, they just say whatever they want on their news shows and they, they never have links to the actual source material. It's nuts. And, uh, and then they were sort of gleefully talking about how uh, efficient the vaccines are and then saying how excited they were that that more and more people could start getting the boosters here soon, which is like, well, if you need boosters, they must not be very efficient, right? But they, they just conveniently forgot about that. You know, no need to have these discussions. And then they tore into the fact that they want to give these shots to under 12-year-olds. And they made the claim that, more kids are getting myocarditis from COVID than will get myocarditis possibly as a rare adverse event from, from the vaccine. Now there's, I don't think there's any data to support that whatsoever. Show me your work. Yeah. I mean, are they taking, are they even taking any, is anyone taking background data on adverse events? We have VAERS and that's the best they're given. That's a joke too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Just amazing. Um, it amazing. is amazing. And in, in, in that, that, you know, like that conversation, you're talking about this speaking with the surgeon general talking about um, how safe and effective vaccines are like the first question would be, Oh, so you've done long-term studies on it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> because if the answer is no, and the answer is no, then you cannot stand there and say that they're safe and effective. Yeah. You just can't period. End of story. The, it's it's really interesting how all the trust the science people are doing the least sciencey stuff around. Yeah, and all of us unhinged conspiracy theorists are the ones that know that we have to show our work, right? Because we will automatically be dismissed if we come out with something that goes against the narrative. Even if the narrative is that the sky is purple, if we come out against it, we have to show our work because there's something there's a mechanism in some in these people's minds that if they hear information first and from the television that's good enough for them any story that comes in second place is like it's like the downhill skier that goes first they're in first place right their time their 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 right. time is first Every other story after that, every other skier after that is saddled with the responsibility of knocking that initial time off of there or not knocking the initial story off. So 
if the story is 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters uh, flew these airplanes wildly off course for an hour and then crashed them into these buildings, realistically, that story should be laughed at, right? But because it was the first story, it's it's got the it's it's in first place. Yeah. And, and now you have to now you have to work again. It's like, oh, well, how come you can't explain where these guys were for 45 minutes? It's like, why do I have to? That's your job to explain where they were. You're the one that came up with the dumb story. You're right. the one that came up with the dumb COVID story. Don't tell me to show my work. You're the one saying, oh, well, the myocarditis is is affecting all these high school kids from COVID uh, in the vaccine. It's very rare when that happens. Really? Show me your work. Yeah. Because I don't believe any of that is true. And they don't, they, and like you said, they don't, they don't feel any sort of need to because they are preaching to the converted uh, NPR. Everyone, you know, everyone's driving their mask, uh, driving their car double mask, nodding in agreement with their radio when they're going, yeah, yeah, we should mandate this stuff. We should yeah. mandate it for these anti vax lunatics out there. Um, as I purell my hands for the 87th time while I drive across, across town. I mean, it's, it's so it's like, we are talking about things in a sane and rational and logical way. They are talking about gibberish and throwing out outrageous claims. Right. Because they're doing it from a million dollar set and they're wearing a shirt and tie and they look super professional. That apparently makes all the difference in the world because they'll, because I will get questioned for what are you? You're not a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I'm not a doctor. Does that mean doctors have a monopoly on information? Does it mean that I can't understand things that doctors can understand? Well, if, if we use that same criteria, the people on NPR aren't doctors either. The people on your nightly news aren't doctors either. So why are, how come anyone is allowed? I'm not allowed to talk if I'm not a doctor. Actually, I would suggest that I actually might have a more objective uh, way of dealing with this because I'm not a doctor. Because yeah. I didn't go through eight years of Rockefeller medical school. I didn't go through all of that stuff. I didn't get indoctrinated into the big pharma cult. Maybe, just maybe, the people that aren't doctors can see things a little bit clearer than the people that are. But, yeah. but of course, you know, you, you can't. What are you going? What are you going to do? You're going to. Am I going to unpack this whole concept on an on a three minute NPR interview? Like, never. <laughs> you know, it can't be done. So, so you wind up just. Listen, I mean, I I do this from time to time too, Doug. I, I listen to like the mainstream media, not because I want information, but because I want to hear what they're saying. I want to hear how they're selling it. And their sales pitch for this whole COVID thing has been so disjointed and incongruent and untethered to reality that I'm really offended that they would ever use the term conspiracy theorist to refer to us, even though I'm, I'm really technically not offended by it, but, but <laughs> how dare they use that to refer to us Yeah. when, like you said, there's, there's on, on some Twitter thread, there's 200 examples of all of their lying. And somehow I'm, I'm the crazy person for thinking that maybe we should not be injecting children with an experimental gene therapy that hasn't cleared uh, stage three trials. And when you introduced it to animals, it killed 100% of them. I'm unhinged for thinking maybe pump the brakes on this. Okay. I can right. live with that. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it really is crazy. 
Um, one of the things that I really, because I have dwelled on this, you know, why are the doctors going along with it? Why do the journalists go along with it? And one of the critiques that we always hear is, well, you're not a doctor or whatever. You're not a professional journalist. People are fooled by the high production values. And they assume that because they're looking at high production values, then, then the, uh, the information must be well-sourced. They must have some kind of editorial staff. But both in the realms of the uh, healthcare and in journalism, people are just doing their jobs. People have to understand this. Like there's a hierarchy in, in corporate life and you have to do what you're told. And especially with the doctors, like how many times if you mention something about the vaccine that you're skeptical and somebody says, well, I'm just going to trust my doctor. Well, guess what? Right. Your doctor doesn't actually have a choice. They have to promote the vaccines because that's their job. And if they don't, then they're going to get fired. Uh, you know, it's they have to follow these treatment protocols that they get from the insurance companies and from the AMA and the CDC that get that get handed down from these hierarchies. And your individual doctor, he doesn't get to make a choice on on the treatment protocols. And the individual journalists, they don't have a choice on the narrative that they get to promote. And I don't. Again, I don't know why people have such a hard time. I mean, I'd actually like to kind of get into this. I do suspect that people have a hard time seeing through the lies because, as you mentioned in the book, you talk about this kind of cult. You talk about the cult in in COVID, but you know the, the cult of statism even even larger. I really do think that that we're looking at indoctrination here. That people can't see through, no matter how logical you are or how much critical thinking you use, because there is something going on subconsciously that is not just similar to cult indoctrination, but exactly cult indoctrination. They've been indoctrinated into a belief system that's not real, but that they believe so much that you know you start to, to get into cognitive dissonance and such when you break through it, and they just can't handle it. Well, I had this epiphany. It was after the book had come out, but I, I, uh, or it was after the editing was done. And so I didn't put it in, but, but I saw something, it might've been two weeks ago, three weeks ago that really, really sort of encapsulated how I'd been feeling. And we've been calling this the cult, you know, the COVID cult and everything, mm -hmm. uh, in, because it shares a lot of the, uh, common attributes of, of cult-like behavior. It also is, has very religious overtones to it. And sure. when I saw this video, it, this is what really sort of like sparked, you know, I've, I've heard that people talk about the religion of COVID and everything. This lady, and I believe she was a health minister in Canada somewhere. So, so, you know, she's a fascist maniac, but, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, she walked up to the podium. She had uh, there was a little hand sanitizer there. She went pump, pump, wiped her hands with the hand sanitizer, took off one ear of the mask on one, took off the other ear there, put it down, folded this flap over, folded that flap over, took two more pumps, right. wiped her hands, and then said, okay. And I went, that's a ritual. Right. They've got, the, they've got their own rituals. This is a religion. Only a few people are allowed to speak to God. You have to talk through them yep. to, to, to speak to the God, yep. the, the Fauci God who's going to explain. You're all Absolutely. too dumb. You can't understand this, but this person can. And this person should be trusted. And this person is elevated. And this person is above reproach. And this person is going to tell you how it all works. Pump, pump, wiggle, wiggle, 
here we go. Right. You know, so, so I saw that and I was like, shit, these people are really internalizing this into, um, you know, they've got their, they've got their, their symbols. They've got their, 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 um, sacred objects. Yeah. The, the syringe, the stethoscope, the ventilator, you know, all these things, they've got their vaccines, which is the magic cure. You're either in the club or you're not in the club. If you're in the club, you're good. If you're out of the club, you're dirty, like those dirty people. And we need to keep an eye on those dirty people. So it's the, it's the same sort of mentality Yeah. in much like dealing with over. I'm not trying to say that everybody that's religious is, is crazy, but let's not pretend like there aren't some crazy religious people out there. <laughs> and so the cult of COVID has a lot of that same group think, that same group dynamics, this, this sort of, uh, you know, when one, when enough of the herd moves one direction, then they all move that direction. Like if enough of the herd says, um, says that, uh, you know, there's a new dictate that comes out or they have to change course on something, or they have to say, well, it used to be 15 days, but now we're going to, you know, we're going to need you to go back in. Like as soon as it's enough of the people in the herd accept that, then boom, that's the established belief. So I, I, I noticed these things and, and, and that of course scares me because when you, when you outsource your critical thinking to anybody, be that the nightly news or your religious leaders or your politicians or Fauci's, you do so with the with the cost associated with that. And that is whatever they tell you to do, you're going to probably need to do it because you're not capable of thinking anymore. You've you've given up that you've given up that that um, tool to to these people and you've you know because it's hard yeah i mean you're a slave you're a slave i don't know i'm not a doctor yeah you know it's that same mentality that's where they they go you don't know you're not a doctor and so a lot of these people go well shoot i don't know i don't know if i am an adult and i can make choices about what i put in my own body you know right i can listen to doctors for advice yeah yeah well (laughs) it's like yeah it's like you 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 you're not a doctor. Yeah, you're right. I'm not a doctor because if I was a doctor, I would need to get 63% or more of you vaccinated so that the pharmaceutical industry continued to give me my $400 per person stipend. Right. For vaccination rates in, in, in your, in your, uh, in your clinic. So I don't know, I know why people, little, I know a little something about how the doctors operate and what they're doing and what they're up to. And, and I think that it would be important. I think it's important for people to know something that they don't know. And that is that most of the doctors don't know very much about vaccines. They've been yeah. giving them out for a long, long time. But if you sit them down, if you sit 10 doctors down and you have a, and you grill them about vaccines, you will be stunned at how little they actually know about how they work and how all this stuff is and what the VAERS system is and have they filled out any VAERS adverse uh, event reports uh, cards before for some of their vaccines, if they're pediatricians or maybe just somebody, you know, a doctor that's giving you like a tetanus booster or whatever. Um, have they ever interacted with the VAERS court? Oh, you haven't? Why? Because it takes 30 minutes to fill out the paperwork? Oh, how dare you? How dare you come here and lecture me about how safe and effective vaccines are? And then you have a vaccine adverse event reporting system that you won't fill out the paperwork with because it takes too long. Yeah, totally. You know. Now, I think the religious metaphor is so incredibly apt. I mean, the best uh, the best interpretation I've even heard about the mask wearing, I mean, the mask wearing clearly has these ritualistic overtones. 
where you're, you know, we're all covering up our identity and hiding ourselves, our authentic self. I mean, lots of cultures actually have like ceremonies that engage in this kind of mask wearing yeah. where, where in their rituals, in their ceremonies where, you know, they have their authentic self, they put on the mask. Uh, and then they go through this metamorphosis. And then when they take the mask off, they're, you know, a, a new person in effect. And I'm, you know, some of these ceremonies are for, are for the good of the individuals that that participate in them, but some of them are not, some of them are brainwashing techniques. And that really is the, actually the best uh, reason that I can come up with for why they switched on a dime and started making everybody wear the masks over and over again, despite the fact that, Especially in hindsight, we can clearly see that nowhere in the world where there were stringent mask mandates did it really have any effect over their COVID case numbers compared with, you know, other places in the world that had almost no one wearing masks. I mean, uh, they still won't admit to the fact that it hasn't been really a very effective kind of way to, to slow the spread or flatten the curve. No curve was ever flattened anywhere. No. Um, and so why are they making us do it? Well, you know, I, I totally agree that we're going through this psychological conditioning yeah. and it's a big part of it. And, uh, and then, you know, we could get into the whole uh, fourth industrial revolution, the great reset. I mean, these guys are calling it the great reset. Well, what, so now we're going to build back better. Well, you've got to do, you know, some creative destruction beforehand mm -hmm. <laughs> and get everybody to wear a mask while the destruction is going on. And then guess what? We'll get to take the masks off after we've built back better and we're in the great reset. We're in the fourth industrial revolution now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Wow. And, and one of the things that happened with this, um, with this, you were talking about the mask wearing and, and, and the ritualistic nature of this is that. For a lot of people out there that don't have much going on in their day-to-day -day lives, this gave them an opportunity to feel important, you know, to, to be sure. able to monitor people in their neighborhood to make sure that doing their part, wearing their masks and keeping everybody safe and socially distancing, a term that Orwell would have rolled over in his grave yeah, yeah. if he heard socially distanced, <laughs> you know, um, that it deputized morons to have a part in this. Yeah. Now they're enforce, enforcers and now they've got like a reason, a purpose, a something, you know, it's, oh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to call the police because there's too many cars in my neighbor's driveway on Thanksgiving. I'm helping, you know? Yeah. That mentality where you take people that have nothing really to offer society, haven't had much going on, now they have an important role. We're going to need you. I'm going to need you to help out. It's for the greater good. And these people are serious about it. And yeah, they, they are. their masks on and they're going to write your license plate number down and they're going to call the police and they're going to yell at you and tell you that you're, you're a bad person and all this stuff. And it's like, you have to, like, we all sort of need to remember that these are the least valuable members of society trying to tell you what to do. And I, and, and so I have no interest in debating them or getting into it with, with them. But one of the transformational uh, processes that I noticed that happened really quickly, you talk about making this transition into the, into the fourth industrial revolution. And that is like, you know, we've all kind of had that, that joke conversation like if i had told you in 2019 that this and this happened you would have said i was crazy well think about how quickly we normalized total strangers coming up to you in the frozen food aisle of your grocery store and asking whether or not you've been injected with a vaccine 
Like we've normal, I mean, we've yeah. normalized that in a way that should never, that, that should rightly get you punched out for asking, you know, or at least have someone just go mind your own business. Yeah. Now, now we've got a bunch of COVID Karens out there saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm going to follow you up and down the aisles and you're in target because this woman's not wearing a mask and I'm going to film the whole thing. And I'm going to shame this person and all of this weird behavior. This is another component of the religious slash cult like nature of the behavior modification, but you've got to modify the behavior, especially in America, because Americans typically are a bit independent not of not all of us obviously but more independent in 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 uh, ways of thinking right. especially more of the conservative side they sort of are more message driven than 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 the person delivering the message whereas i'd say the left is more like whatever our dear leader tells us to do we'll do and whereas the conservatives are more like what do you want us to do yeah <laughs> so uh th- they ask a little bit more questions but for the unthinking sheeple out there, they have they have embraced this role. They really right. have. And that's what makes it r- extremely dangerous because you know they role – well, we know they role-played this scenario anyway. But you know that they made a phone call to the Tavistock Institute in advance to say, if we do this, what do you think it will do to the people? And they said, well, you'll have half of them rightly recognizing that what you're doing is lying to them. But then you'll have the other half that won't figure it out and they will see that other half of the population that has figured it out as the threat. So what you do is just do your normal line, take the segment that's dumb enough to believe your lies and sick them on the people that, that see through it and then right. let them just do all your work for, for you. I, I was, I did this interview. I like to bring it up cause I, I like for more and more people to know about this book, but I did an interview years ago about this book called political ponerology. And ponerology is the study of evil. And it was written by this. I like it already. Yeah, you should check it out. You'd love it. It was written by this psychologist in like the 1940s who was, you know, working at a university when he was Romanian. So when the Russians came through and and the red curtain shut and Romania became communist and totalitarian, and he he witnessed this entire transition. And so he writes this book about, uh, about, um, you know, how, how is it that the Stalins become leaders? You know, why, why do people allow the Stalins or the Hitlers or these clear psychopaths to like take control of their society? And then you end up with this really authoritarian, totalitarian situation. And he really did. He boiled it down to exactly what you're talking about. He said, all it takes is 5% of the converse of the, of the citizens to really buy in. And then those 5% basically police the rest exactly like we're seeing now, right? The Karens can go around and kind of shame everyone into being like, well, I'd rather just put my mask on than deal with Karen. Next time I go to the grocery store, you know, I'd rather just, you know, I'd rather just get the vaccine than deal with standing up to the mandates and, you know, freaking out my neighbor that, you know, thinks I'm going to be spreading the black plague or something like that. I mean, it just becomes easier because the 5%, I actually think the the converse is also true that it really only takes 5% of the population to stand up and say, this yeah. is bullshit, you know, 
to to kind of get the rest of the population to go, oh, thank God, somebody's saying something here. Let's, you know, let's ignore these people and let's get on with our lives. But but it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to to really it doesn't take a lot. And then and then you start to get into like the um the late 70s or early 80s interviews with Yuri Bezmanov, who's talking about uh, the former KGB defector. He, he has those great those great interviews with uh, Ed Griffin and where they're talking about the uh, propaganda in, in, in several steps and how long this, you know, he says this cultural subversion usually takes, you know, you can do it in, in 30 years and you start by doing this and you start by doing that. And, you know, and when you, when you, if you were to watch those videos in the year that they were filmed, you would be, you would probably be nodding going, Oh, this is very interesting. If you watch it now, it's like a step-by-step on how we got to where we are, you know, that and things like Biderman's chart of coercion, which shows like a breakdown of all the things that you need to do. And, and, and what you, what you come to understand after living through this for the last almost two years is that, um, it's not quite as difficult as you think, as long as you have control over the media. Yeah, and 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 I and I have, I've, I've no, I, I don't have no respect for the mainstream media, it, in part because whenever there's big events like this, I view them as co-conspirators in this. And so, with these coercion charts and things like that, if you've got the right people in place, and you you don't you don't need, it's not a forty-step process for it's six. It's six steps, you know, and so like with things like that, you 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 find out that um, this society that we're living in with all of our rules and regulations, like it's a little bit more fragile than we think. And if you get the right crisis or the right event, yeah, then a lot of those rules and regulations can be thrown right out the window and in in exchange for your security throughout this this whole ordeal. Well, that's the other uh, the other thing I think you mentioned in the book is it only takes what like three months of scaring the crap out of people, and then two two months, right? Two months of scaring the crap out of people, and then you cannot change their mind no matter what kind of information they're given. And and I remember, you know, one of the first COVID lies I think I picked up on actually from the mainstream media was when they were comparing the case fatality rate. And this happened all over the mainstream media, and it drove me nuts that people couldn't figure this out. They were taking the COVID case fatality rate, and this was early on when that they weren't testing a lot of people, so it was it was like three percent, and they were comparing it to the flu, the the infection fatality rate of the flu, which is 0.1 percent, and they were going, "My God, it's 300 times worse than the flu. We're all going to die." And it was like, and they did it over and over again on every channel, and it was clearly like. Who are these people that can't, that don't understand, you know, here the, the medical reporters can't understand the difference between the case fatality rate and an infection fatality rate. Like, like it was just so nuts and so clearly uh, an across the board methodology, you know, amongst coordinated somewhere at the top of some hierarchy uh, that was designed solely to scare the crap out of everybody. And it has worked so incredibly well that now you can't change people's minds. I can't believe the peer-reviewed studies that have been coming out in the last six weeks. As far as I'm concerned, the science in the last six weeks alone should crush anybody that thinks the vaccines are safe and effective. I mean, it's just like study after study is showing that, you know, after a couple of months, the immunity wears out, that natural immunity is way better. 
uh, that, you know, the places that uh, have the most people who have gotten vaccinated now have the most cases consistently over and over again, all over the world. I mean, I'm sure that's just a giant coincidence. Yeah, yeah, just a giant coincidence. Just like when you take ivermectin, if it's if a place in the world starts giving out ivermectin, COVID goes away. That's just correlation doesn't equal causation, Charlie. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, they 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 started giving out ivermectin in in places like um, like Central Africa and and parts of South America where they were getting uh, river blindness from a parasite in the river. It would it was totally yeah. preventable, but it was a little parasite that would get in your eyes and it would make you blind. And then if, obviously if you had it, you were blind and it was a big, huge deal. And then they found that ivermectin worked. And so they started giving this out to people in that area and it reversed their blindness and it, it, it fixed them. So, so in these regions where they had been giving ivermectin out for a long period of time, the COVID numbers were incredibly low. Yeah. And everyone was just going, oh, I'm sure that's a coincidence too, right? You know, that, that, <laughs> that, none of, that this, this stuff is, um, you know, I mean, I mean, out of all of it, maybe that is a coincidence, right? Like I would be willing to say, fine, it's just a coincidence. But should we not look into this coincidence a well, little bit? Well, that's just see it. it. Maybe there's something to it, and 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 of course we know that there's we we know what's what's actually going on uh, that um, that there's no money in it. There's no money yeah. in ivermectin as a cure. There's no money in, in in some of these things, but there's a lot of money in um, in vaccines, and I think I think a lot of it's in the alternative media that had been very critical of the vaccine industry in advance of COVID, pre-COVID, with regard to the MMR shots, the Vares courts, the, the, the shenanigans that has been going on in the, right. with, the with regard to autism and all of that, mm-hmm. we were already like, we knew who Big Pharma was. We know that they're all convicted felons. We know that there's not a single medical doctor running any of those organizations. They're all MBAs. Um, we, we know that there's huge problems of fraud in that industry, that these, that they've no, no industry has paid more in the way of fines than the pharmaceutical industry. So our default setting going into COVID was, I don't trust those people in big pharma. I yeah. just don't. So we were already there when the situation started. And I think a lot of people are just finally getting there now after 18 months. They're going, you know what? I'm starting <laughs> to think that I don't trust this pharmaceutical industry all that much. And it's like, welcome to the party. Now yeah. <laughs> figure things out. Like we were already there because we knew that they were criminals. So in, in, in part the alternative media, and I'm not trying to say that everybody in the alternative media is, is knee deep in the vaccine con- you know, conspiracies, let's just call it. But, but uh, it is a, it is a focal point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, so the alternative media more so than the mainstream media, we were ready for it. Like we were already very distrustful of these people. And and especially when you get somebody like an Anthony Fauci that just comes on the stage and uh, the real hardcore people that knew who he was. And I, I was not one of them. I did not know about his AIDS stuff until after the fact. But I know a lot of people that just did. crazy. They said, they said, oh, this this guy. Yeah. We're bringing this guy out to talk about it. And well, like, talk to the gay community. The, the gay community wants this guy hung. Yeah. The story of AZT and the story of Remdesivir are almost exactly the same. Yeah. 
almost right off the shelf. Like he clearly, you know, AIDS was a trial run and now Fauci's back for AIDS 2.0 with coronavirus and they're doing the same thing. And again, killing hundreds of thousands, like not just a few people, like tens and hundreds of thousands of people, just, just unbelievable. And what's been fascinating to me too, is that it's my progressive friends that are the ones I'm literally having to argue against corporate America to my progressive friends. I'm like, I thought, aren't you progressive? You know, I mean, I've had to argue with my progressive friends about Bill Gates. Like, what do you mean? You know, you trust Bill. They're trusting the billionaire class. They're trusting the big pharmaceutical corporations and the big corporate system. And I thought that was the opposite of what a liberal was supposed to be. But it just seems I mean, that's, uh, again, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it all. if, If you give them a good enough reason to be fearful They'll throw yeah. all their values away right immediately, like right. an anchor over. Let's just get rid of these things. Well, if you'll just save me, they seem to have a big, a super big faith in the government as well, which is just something I've never had. Uh, you no. know, I, but they, you know, that's the thing I think about the progressive movement is they see that well, corporations could be dangerous, but thank God we have this government that then you know, c- completely oversees the corporations and takes care of them so that they can't screw us over. And it's just like, I mean, how many examples did you put in the book, Charlie, of, of how hypocritical the government is? I mean, I don't know how they can't, <laughs> like, you know, lobbying is bribery, right? I mean, it's corruption in our face every day, all the time, like you, like normalized. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about it is that we've normalized all this dysfunctional behavior and people just pretend like it's, you know, well, it's just fine. Been going on for a long time. It's not a problem. Yeah, they don't know how to fix it. So they just say, "Ah, oh, I guess we'll just keep it and just live with it. But but like Citizens United, which legalized corporations giving as much money as they wanted to political candidates at that point, it's over. It's just over. You're what are you going to you're going to compete against Amazon in terms of like. I'm going to, I'm going to vote for this person because I think this person might give me the bet, might my, um, you know, what I want and what they want might their, our interests might be aligned. And then Amazon goes to that guy's competitor and says, well, we'll just give you $6 million for your campaign. Good luck. Good luck against that guy. Now you're doomed because, because if the corporations can give as much money as they want, then they, they can, they can do what, so it's funny that you say about the progressives that, that are like, oh, you know, the corporations and the government looks out for them. Yeah. Really? You mean like the way the government's looked out for the vaccine industry in 1986 <laughs> when they when they signed legislation making it, it so that you cannot sue them for product liability issues? Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like the government looking out for us. That sounds like the government looking out for them, which is, of course exactly what happened and so what you do is if you if you finance these if you allow these corporations to finance politicians the politicians will get elected and they will rekey the locks so that your key does not fit anymore whatever your interests are in your key that you want to stick into the door and unlock your government to get all these things that you want that you voted for your key will not work anymore because amazon and and Microsoft and Google have bought all the lobbyists and they've changed the way the system works and yeah. they've locked you out. Uh, and so that's that any, and, and they've done it. They did it with, with the vaccine situation in 86. And, and, and so it's like, I don't have to speculate about what could happen if corporations grow too powerful in their relationships with Washington, DC. I just have to point to that because 
because the VAERS court has still paid out $4.2 billion to settle damage claims. And by all actual accounting, people that have looked into that, they say that the real number of cases that get reported to VAERS is about uh, only about 1% of what really is out there. So if they've paid $4.2 billion out through this rigged system that nobody yeah. even knows about and the doctors don't want to deal with, then that number could theoretically be 100 times higher than, than $4.2 billion. And so then it becomes an undeniable problem that you have with the vaccine industry. And if you hadn't done that in 86, you'd, you, the undeniable problem with the vaccine industry would have been noticeable by the 90s. And you might have been able to do something about it, but they've kept all that stuff under wraps. Nobody knows about VARES. I mean, we do, but no, the, yeah. the average person out there, the person that wants to lecture you about vaccines are safe and effective, they don't right. know about VARES. They don't know about any of this stuff. Well, they isn't just it? think, oh, it's got to be good for you because uh, they surely the they government wouldn't is. allow them to just kill people with their with their with their medicine. Really? Want to bet? Would you like me to show you thousands of examples of that? Yeah. Of course they would. Well, I mean, that's what's so mind blowing. I mean, even if you go on VAERS, which, as you and I both know, is a terrible reporting system, and very few people are reporting on it and ever have reported on it. Half, probably a vast majority of, of doctors don't even know that it exists and they're supposed to be reporting to it. But nonetheless, in the last year since the COVID vaccines have come out, VAERS reports are up 1,000%. That's like, that should be a red flag for people when they keep coming out and saying safe and effective, safe and effective. It's like, except for they're not, they're a thousand times more dangerous than all the other vaccines combined, at least being reported to VAERS. You can argue that, well, maybe more doctors know this is an experimental vaccine and more people are, are reporting on this particular vaccine than, than typically would, but, but not that many more, you know, not a thousand times more like this is a clearly the idea that these vaccines are safe is something that cannot be backed by any kind of data or any kind of science that's being done. And then the other red flag is there's simply not even the data collection being done. I mean, there's not science being done no. on these adverse effects and stuff. And that's, that's the, these, I, you know, I call them red flags. I, I go back to the, the cult metaphor. Like this is, this really is a cult. We're not talking. I mean, it's the cult of scientism. That point that you made about people letting, Letting go. I mean, it's so classic, um, you know, even in spirituality, this idea that do you have your own relationship with the creator mm -hmm. or do you, is there an intermediary? And like you mentioned, like in the Catholic church, they said, oh, well, you've got to go through the priest to be able to get to God. So there's an intermediary and you don't actually have your own connection. Now, I, I think I would argue, even according to the tenets of Christianity, the whole point of Jesus's message was that you're supposed to have your own connection. You're not supposed to go through an intermediary, but clearly it's, uh, how can we monetize that though? Yeah, no, yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> clearly there's a corruptive influence that happens right on this whole like, in that. religion. Uh, you got to talk to me. I'm the yeah. guy, I'm the guy uh, you tell me, and then I'll pass the message along. Uh, don't forget to tip your waiter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I did this. One of my favorite interviews was with this uh, philosophy professor, Julianne Romanello. And um, we went back to, to like Plato and Socrates and then the idea of the sophists in in ancient Greece, because what basically would happen in ancient Greece is the rich people would hire these sophists who are really good propagandists. Basically, they could argue 
really logically that something was true. And then there was Socrates, who was basically trying to teach people to think for themselves. Like, you need to learn how to think for yourself. And it's just almost funny. Like, we were able to go through the entire history of philosophy. And there's, you know, these philosophers that think, no, you can't think for yourself. You've got to go through somebody else. And then they're, you know, the ones that are trying to teach people critical thinking and how to think for themselves. And it's just, it's like a yin-yang thing. It's like a, you know, a dichotomy that happens and it's human nature. Uh, but as you say, there's a lot more money in in being that intermediary than than in teaching people to be independent, critical thinkers. And so, yeah. you know, and that's corruption. That's just the classic. That's what's happening there. You know, and these it's not limited to the priest class either. The media serves that function. Of yeah. course, they say, well, you know, you wouldn't under like you even hear some, sometimes like. Chris Cuomo say, you're, you know, talking about the Julian Assange leaks. You're not allowed to look at it. If you look at it, it's illegal, but we're allowed to look at it. Right. (laughs) That's not how any of this works. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're lying because you don't want people to look into it because if they look into it, they will see for themselves what he was really talking about. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's gaslighting a term that, that has grown, uh, in importance lately as more people become victimized by it really important to go what is this that i'm experiencing yeah it's like when when it's a system of lies in order to that are functioning in a way that sort of like protect all the other lies and 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 they're all set up in this system it seems a bit overwhelming like well yeah if you it's that whole well surely not everybody is in on it right and it's like that idea that everybody has to be in on it in order for this whole thing to work and that it's a giant grand conspiracy. Maybe a lot of people are in on it, but you don't need to have everybody in it. You just have to have the right people. Yeah. You have to have the priest class. You have to have the media. You have to have the the people at the heads of of, of the science, science uh, divisions. And then you get the influencers. And those people can do a lot of work for you. You can tell them how to feel. Um, you can tell them uh, that they need to evan- evangelize this whole thing. They need to go out there and put, you know, put, put this message out there. And so it's been a masterclass in social, in, in social manipulation, yeah. social media manipulation, um, the suppression of information, you know, in, in for- control the population through bad information, control the population through, like a removal of information so it's like yeah this this there's there's a component of this that had always made me um i I tried to explain this to people that were having a tough time with the vaccine uh issue uh, pre-covid the the mmr vaccines and everything and they would say i've just never hear about this on my nightly news. I don't know what you're, you, you say that they're dangerous and everything. And, and I've heard about the autism stuff, but like every time I turn on the news, they say it's not dangerous. And they say that it's not, um, that there's nothing wrong with it. And so I said, well, a couple things, first of all, you have to, you know, we talked about the pharmaceutical industry getting all of this information you know, or getting all of their, their money from the pharmaceutical industry. So they're not, they can't, sell out their sponsors. But there's this weird thing that also happens, which is in the viewer's mind, it's if this was real, 
what you're talking about with regard to a vaccine, these MMR vaccines possibly being dangerous for children and everything. If this was a real story that you tell me, surely I would have heard about it on my nightly news. And since I didn't hear about this, since Anderson Cooper didn't do this big breakdown on the dangers of the MMR vaccine, and I watch Anderson Cooper every night, therefore, there must not be a debate about the MMR vaccine, because if there was, surely I would have heard it talked about in my nightly news. So they, so there's that assumption that you're going to get both sides of the story. Yeah. That is not a good assumption. Exactly. And, and, and that also falls into, if there was really anything to this claim that I'm making, I would have heard about it on my nightly news. And since I haven't heard it about it on my nightly news, clearly it doesn't exist. Right. There's no connection there. And it's like, oh, yes, I understand where you're going with that train of thought. But have you ever considered that the platform at which you're getting your information from has a vested interest in not allowing some of that information to get out? And that is anything that, that paints Big Pharma in a bad light, they're not going to talk about that. So the, so the guy that's waiting for the Anderson Cooper expose on, on vaccines it will be waiting forever because it's never coming. And so yeah. that guy's going to make an assumption because there was never a, a flip side to the story presented that he's just going to assume that there is no flip side, that it is only that vaccines are safe and effective. And so, and that guy might be your dad, you know, or he might be your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> or he might be somebody that you have to sort of argue against. And he's going to believe that, that there's no possible way that anything you're saying could be true because, because they're aware and they would be aware of, they're aware of what's going on out there. And they would have been aware of this if it was really happening. And since they're not aware of it, therefore it's not happening. And it's like, what a what a dangerous thought process because you start making assumptions that uh that the nightly news is going to give you both sides of the story right like like in the colon power in the colon pal thing like holding up the yellow cake uranium thing right look there's an example of the nightly news doing a full performance dance routine for you where they just blatantly made for television lie yeah that that equaled the death of millions of people what i don't what i don't understand is how people can't follow motive either and like the concept of following the money like following the money should be journalism 101 or research 101 or detective work 101 you're looking for the and when you're watching your nightly news you you can clearly see that they've got commercials going on Yes. And it's just like how people can't understand that the news is never going to report on anything that goes against their major advertisers. That's just like the function of people have this idealized version. One of, one of the things I wanted to bring up about this conversation, too, is that and also people seem to not understand how having a job works. Like they seem to think that there's this world where there's all these independent doctors and all these independent journalists out there who are really working to try to get the truth out to the people or the best treatment out to the people because they're these incredibly virtuous, independently driven human beings uh, that only have the best interests of people at heart. When the, the obvious truth is that these people all work for corporations and those corporations all have a profit motive. And if these people go against the corporate narrative that creates the profit for the corporations, then they just lose their job. So either they can go along to get along, and it's actually easier 
for most of them to just believe the narrative themselves, because if they don't, then they're going to actually, they're going to realize that they're hypocrites, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be ideologically torn and they're going to have to make some really hard choices about leaving their job because they don't want to spew bullshit anymore. Um, or can they just like keep the blinders on? You know, there's a term for it called denial, live in denial, pretend like, oh, you know, what what the New York Times wants me to write is the truth. And I'm just not going to bother to double check, you know, or what Dr. Yeah. Fauci says is the truth because he's at the top of the hierarchy. I mean, it's just it's so amazing to me, like our whole culture is based on this hierarchical situation. So only a few people at the top. I mean, Fauci, I think you even mentioned in the book something about being close to power. And that really kind of struck me as like, you know, you're talking about the celebrities, I think, and the politicians and why do, why are they all such hypocrites? And it's like, well, just because like Fauci gets to hang out with the likes of Bill Gates, you know, and that he thinks that makes him cool. And that in and of itself could be enough to corrupt guys like Fauci just hanging out in that realm of the powerful and thinking that you're hobnobbing with the rich guys and knowing that all you got to do is toe the line. Well, if I sell a bunch of remdesivir, I get to hang out with the cool billionaire crowd. <laughs> And so who cares yeah. what the science really says? And, and, and these powerful, these are powerful motivators for people. And it's just, it's just corruption and corruption is winning the day right now, isn't it? I mean, it's. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of this conversation that I saw Noam Chomsky have with this uh, interviewer. I think the guy was, the guy was British. I'm assuming it was at the BBC. I don't know. And, and he was, he was getting into it. It was sort of an argument, I guess, but the interviewer said, wait a second, wait a second. So what you're saying is that I, I don't believe the things that I'm saying here on TV. And he said, no, no, no. What I'm saying is if you believe something different, you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting. Yeah. And that a lot of it is kind of what it boils down to. You don't have to convince Anderson Cooper to get along with the program. He's along with the program. Yeah. That's what he believes. He believes in the program. There's a lot of people that do that. So it's not like these guys all have guns to their heads and they're being held. Uh, uh, look, a lot of people probably think that they're doing the right thing too. There's that. Absolutely. You know, we look at them and we go, oh, these people, bless them. You know, they're all fucked, fucked <laughs> up in the head. And, and, and they look at us and think the same thing. And so I recognize yeah. that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. But, yeah. but I feel like I'm coming from a place where I've, where I'm collecting facts about what we're seeing and they're coming from a place where they're just running on emotions. And that might be a more powerful motivator is if you're running off of emotions, but it won't do you very well in a debate. Yeah. And so that is kind of the, the problem with a lot of these people is that if you, if you, if you, sit them down and ask them to in, in, engage in a conversation or a debate or whatever. You, you challenge their belief systems. What you will find is that their beliefs are anchored in nothing for the most part. They're anchored in what their television tells them. They're anchored yeah. in what Dr. Fauci tells them. Well, I can pick that apart in like five seconds Be, I, and I can show you, here's the reasons, here are the lies, here's the documentation, here's all of this stuff. Yeah. Now, what have you got? Now you're just scared. Do you want to continue to be scared? Because I get the feeling that a lot of people like being scared. And that is, to me, a very difficult concept for me to wrap my head around. But I have to recognize that it is a real thing that's actually happening. Because there's a lot of people out there that take comfort in being 
told what to do. Yeah. By dad, daddy government, daddy, dad in real life, their preacher, whatever. In their world, they do what they're told by the authority figure. And they don't question that. Now, that's like a lot to unpack, right? You know, somebody like 50 years of trauma, you got to pull well, through and figure yeah, out why exactly. they do that. But it, there's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of people, and, I, and I've come to this like recognition of this, not, want, not willingly, but I've just had to come to a recognition that if I'm being objective, sadly, there's a huge segment of the population that likes being scared. And wants to be told exactly what to do. Yeah. And those people you are scared. listening to this. You are listening to the first free hour of The Shift with Doug McKinty. For access to the full feature-length versions of the podcast, go to www.theshiftnow.com and subscribe for the audio version for just $6 a month. Access the full-length episodes in video form through rockfin.com by subscribing at the Shift with Doug McKinty landing page. For $9.99 a month, you gain access not only to The Shift but also all other premium content material hosted on the platform. The Shift is also brought to you by Enagic Water Systems, providing crystal clear, ionized alkaline water straight from your tap, as well as the Freedom Era Network, delivering tools and information to help you build a successful online business. Find out more at www.theshiftnow.com store. Detoxify your body, decolonize your mind, make the shift. Thanks for listening. Anyway, you know, thanks for thanks for writing the books and getting the word out. <laughs> I definitely uh, encourage people to uh, to read the new one and and uh, read the two uh, older ones too because uh, they've all got you know all the information's right there. So if you want a good place to un- start, I put Uncle Sam in a straitjacket in an insane asylum because yeah, on the cover because that's wh- how it should be because that's how I feel. I feel like we've we've just gone straight into the nut house. Um, with all of the lies and all of the uh, just uh, manipulation that 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 has happened to us, uh, it's it's an embarrassment, really, because what a great country we live in yeah. has such amazing potential, brilliant minds, some great ideas, um, but we just have to spend so much of our time fighting against this insanity just to try and get the truth out or to get logic out or you know. If we if we didn't have to waste this the resources, be that time, money, energy, whatever, to to fight against these people, just think how much better this world would be if these people were out of the way. Yeah. And, uh, and of, a, but of course, I'm sure in their meetings they say the same things about us. So. <laughs> it's amazing to think about, actually. I mean, just the stuff that you brought up in the book, like the banking system, the the war machine, you know, all the money that's spent on the propaganda and the media, and even the the pharmaceutical. I mean, the amount of money that we spend on sick care instead of actually, you know, getting to the root cause. I mean, like we would all, we would just. Because of the technologies that we have these days, we would be living in, you know, a heaven on earth. I mean, people could work 10, 20 hours a week, have plenty, everybody have plenty of money, you know, with the efficiencies that we that we have, the technologies that we have right now, but they're just sucking the lifeblood out of us, wasting so much money on creating this, like, this fake reality, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Well, listen, when you when you when you spend um I, I talked about that in, in in the beginning of the book. I I used the Frank Zappa quote talking about 
the illusion of freedom, you know, about how, how the illusion of freedom will continue as long as the illusion of freedom is profitable to continue. But by right. the time in which it becomes unprofitable, they will take down the curtains, the move back the tables and chairs and, yeah. and you will see the wall at the back of the theater. You know, you will understand that this was all a gigantic performance. So yeah, that seems right about where we're at. It feels like the great reset, right? Is resetting us. We don't need that illusion of freedom anymore. We'll just we'll just it won't be an illusion for much longer. <laughs> you'll be what is it? You'll be uh uh you'll, you'll own nothing. nothing and be happy. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> great. Looking forward to that one. Thanks, Klaus. I have a marketing degree, man. I think that I think that maybe I could have sat down with those guys and come. We could have come up with a, a, a little right. better sales yeah. pitch. Own nothing and be happy because that one we would have just thrown out in the at the ad agency I worked at before. We would have just tossed that one right in the garbage. <laughs> Nobody likes that. Well, Charlie, you want to let people know where they can get the book and where they can find out more. Sure. Uh, for people that want, the book is called Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is how it's spelled. Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. The paperback is available on Amazon as well as the Kindle. You can, if you're interested in the digital format of the book and want to bypass Amazon, you can just go directly to my website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. And through there, there's a donate or a support function where if you just donate 10 bucks or more via PayPal, I'll send you the new book in digital format. If you donate $15 or more, I'll send you the new book plus the fir my first book, The Octopus, in digital format as well. So it's a way for the information to get out there and for people to uh, – and, and I also, when I send the digital formats, I tell people, share it with your friends and family. I, I don't. I, once you buy it, I don't care what you do with it. Get, get the information out to, to people. And, uh, and of course, my podcast, uh, Macroaggressions, is available wherever podcasts are served. It's also on video format in, um, on Rockfin and Odyssey and David Icke's platform, Iconic. Sometimes YouTube, but you know how it goes. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, you, we know how it goes. Uh, but, uh, right. but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, what, um, that's what I'm doing. Trying to see if we can't uh, wake some of these normies up, as James Corbett calls them. Yeah, right. And uh, and get them to sort of start thinking for themselves. I'm not trying to tell you how to think. I'm just trying to tell you to think for yourselves and 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 take the information that I'm putting out there and research it, and double check it, and make it your own, and 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 go out there and see if you can't. Uh, sort out what you think is happening in this world because it it ain't what we are told on television it's not what fauci tells us is true it's not what uh the government says we need to do it, it, it's most definitely different from that but it's going to be our responsibility to come to that information and you cannot outsource your critical thinking to anybody because uh it, be that the mainstream media or me <laughs> you know because you don't know what what the intentions are of the other people. So take your information, dig into it the best you can, uh, research it for yourself. If something doesn't sound right to you, check, check into it. And, uh, I think what you'll find is that that makes it, makes it more real for the, for the person. So, and, and of course I always, as usual, I enjoy our conversations because I feel like we can get into some of the, the nitty gritty stuff that you can't, you, you just can't do that in a, 10 minute radio interview with somebody. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll, uh, I'll let everybody who's listening uh, know that you've been listening to the shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. Thanks for checking this one out. Um, 
actually the best place to find me. Well, you can go to the website, which is always the best place to go, www.theshiftnow.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, and that way I'll send you uh, all the new episodes that are coming out. I get it out about once or twice a week, uh, a month. I try to do it twice a month, but, and, uh, and then the, the best place to really kind of get in touch um, is on Facebook for social media currently uh, just on my personal page. It seems like my podcast page, the algorithms don't send a lot of people that way, but somehow my personal page has gotten more of a following. So that's where most of the interesting conversations are happening right now. And that's just uh, Doug McKinty on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at D McKinty. So you can find me there uh, if you want to get in touch uh, or if you just want to become part of the conversation here at the shift. So thanks again, Charlie, for coming on the show. Another great conversation. And uh, thanks. Keep up the good work. Keep writing more and more books because uh, the more we can get the word out there, the more people can kind of kind of chipping away at that cognitive dissonance, right? <laughs> get people yeah. questioning and keep nice. uh keep sourcing the material so they can, they can follow, they can go all the way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I certainly will. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate you having me on again. All right. You bet. Have a great day. Thanks. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. My conversation with Charlie Robinson. That was the third time I've had him on the show. Uh, he and I are actually kind of becoming friends. I think at this point, I really do appreciate his work. Um, it's great introductory work if you aren't uh, haven't ever really been exposed to these concepts these quote-unquote conspiracy concepts but also uh, if you have a history uh, and you already understand a lot of the of the past of the history that's been written before in terms of of um, understanding how the upper classes manipulate the lower classes uh, there's a lot of really solid information and his perspective um, is is worth it for those even who have studied quite a bit of this. So it was great to have him back on. Um, the new book, Hypocrisy, about just the hypocritical nature of the uh, patriarchal system, essentially, the corporate government system of control, uh, it's right in your face. And we were able to bring out a lot uh, in terms of the media, in terms of the healthcare system, uh, in terms of, of the politics and the corporate system, how our leaders are so often saying one thing and then doing another. And this is um, the classic gaslighting that we're all dealing with all the time. Um, and more and more, even as part of the discussion, we were talking about how uh, the mainstream media is becoming even more and more blatant in their lies, uh, getting to the point where really, if you're listening to that stuff and you think that there's some reality to it, I mean, I kind of talked for a bit about how much work I did put into going over all of the corporate media stuff, finding, figuring out their sources. There's no way that all the journalists are in on this. Uh, and lo and behold, it really is a fabrication of reality. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just propaganda. We've got to put it down. Stop listening to the, these guys because they're funded uh, by big corporations. They're funded by government. It's uh, propaganda that benefits the upper class. It's social engineering. It has nothing to do with what's really going on. They're not trying to help us make better choices about our lives. They're not trying to help us make better choices about who to vote for. They're just giving us a version of reality that is going to make us go along to get along with what the upper classes want us to do. 
Um, so that was a, a great point and a great point of the book, Hypocrisy, just about how hypocrisy is the, the, the fundamental nature of the entire system of control and having an awareness of it and what's really going on beyond the scene, behind the scenes uh, is an important aspect of, of waking up, getting out of this, and starting to be able to, to make choices based on reality and not based on the propaganda that's all over the place. Uh, the part of the conversation we talked about both journalism and in healthcare, the doctors, how can they all be in on some grand conspiracy? Well, uh, the hierarchical nature of the corporate system is so powerful that, of course, you know, it just takes a few people at the top of the pyramid to be able to control what everybody else on down the line uh, is able to say and what they're able to do. And this has become so uh, in your face with COVID in terms of the doctors simply are unable to uh, prescribe early treatments. I've got a source. I, I update it occasionally, check it out. There's now over a thousand peer-reviewed papers on a variety of early treatments. I mean, I think there's 15 or 20 early treatments that have been that have been tested. Things like quercetin, zinc, vitamin D, melatonin, uh, real simple over-the-counter, even aspirin that can help deal with the negative effects of COVID early on, yet the healthcare system is telling you to go home if you test positive for COVID and come back when you're having a real hard time breathing. Then they're putting you straight in the ICU, giving you a powerful and toxic antiviral and putting you on a ventilator. And it just doesn't make any sense. And why are all the doctors going along with it? Because they have to. They don't have a choice because these are the protocols that are given to them by their hospitals. The hospitals get them from the insurance companies. The insurance give, get them from the American Medical Association, who gets them from the CDC. So there's a few people at the top of this government bureaucracy that determine the protocols, and everybody else has to fall in line with them. The same is true of journalists. They can't... I did the interview with Allison uh, Morrow a few, a few weeks back, maybe a month ago now, six weeks ago, and uh, she described her... Uh, experience working uh, in the corporate press rooms, and you just can't get outside uh, of the uh, established window. They call it the Overton window of conversation uh, without having to spend a lot of extra time doing fact checking, and they don't give you that kind of time. You've got you've to produce, you've got to produce. Uh, and even if you do the fact checking, you know, what are the odds that your boss or your boss's boss uh, are going to allow any kind of conversation outside uh, of the established corporate narrative. And, and then even beyond that, I mean, we can get into the media corporations. Uh, there are only six major media corporations. They collude at the Council on Foreign Relations and, and other groups as to the narrative they want to portray. And then those six major media corporations are all owned, uh, a controlling portion owned by just a handful, a few uh, um, investment firms. So we can see where the pyramid gets to the top, and the journalists really don't have any autonomy. They're not sitting around doing investigative journalism and coming up with their own critical thinking conclusions, conclusions based on their own critical thinking and what they're discovering. They're just writing copy based on what they're told to write. Um, so we are dealing with this big behemoth of a system that controls information, that controls the healthcare system, uh, and it's something that we should all really be aware of. And another thing that Charlie and I talked about, and I think it just really boils down to this, is this notion of trusting the experts or having some kind of intermediary between yourself and your own personal decisions, right? <laughs> um, 
you know, it's one thing to take advice from experts, which of course we all should. People are more educated about certain subjects than we are. So we we check it out. What are their point of view? Maybe we see a debate between two different experts that have opposing point of views, and then we make choices for ourselves. This is the way life actually works. When you start hearing people saying, well, you have to just do what the experts say, and the experts know the truth because science says, as if scientists don't disagree all the time, uh, that's a red flag. Just like I'm saying, these red flags pop up, these red flags that you're dealing with abusive or controlling behavior. Um, if people are telling you the truth, they should be confident that you're going to figure that out for themselves and you're going to make the right choice. But instead, when people are corrupted, then they start talking about having to mandate certain behaviors or forcing you to think uh, in a certain way or implying that you, you, know, you have to do what the experts say and there's only one expert that everybody has to listen to uh, and there's no debating with this expert, right? <laughs> um, this is the major problem. And so what Charlie has done is he's revealed in this new book uh, the real hypocrisy uh, behind what these controlling people uh, at the top of the pyramid uh, between what they're saying to us and what they're actually doing. And it's just all over the place. It's ubiquitous in the government corporate system, in the patriarchal system, which is just a system designed for control to benefit the few at the top. Uh, it has nothing to do with the health of the people or for the benefit of the people. Uh, and I think that... Uh, I mean, a lot of people just need to let it go. They need to start. They need to start realizing that this is a system of control, and start just start thinking for yourself, guys. I mean, that's the that's the moral of the story. That's the nature of the beast. If you start thinking for yourself, start questioning things, and then start trying to come to your own conclusions, uh, I think you're going to find that the conclusions that people like myself and and like Charlie Robinson come come up with, at the very least, the conclusion that something squirrely is going on. I mean, maybe. Maybe you won't agree with what we think is happening, our speculation about what's going on, but uh, certainly uh, any kind of real critical analysis of the mainstream narrative is going to show some pretty flagrant holes. So that's the shift, right? That's the shift that we're trying to make here, a shift from relying on outside authority to control what you think to uh, starting to be able to really apply your own critical thinking uh, and make choices for yourself about your own life. That's the world that we want to live in. So thanks, everybody, for checking this one out. Uh, you can find Charlie's stuff. And also check out his podcast, Macroaggressions. He's always got great guests. Sometimes they go pretty far out, um, and it's, a, it's fun to listen to. Uh, so you can check out Macroaggressions uh, on his website, www.theoctopusofglobalcontrol. He's got that book, The Octopus of Global Control. He's got uh, uh, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, and now also Hypocrisy, spelled hypocrisy, which you'll be able to find there, www.theoctopusofglobalcontrol. So as always, you can check out my stuff uh, at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, subscribe for the newsletter there is a great way to just kind of keep abreast of everything that I'm producing out of the studio here. Uh, and you can subscribe for just six bucks a month uh, for the long-form versions of the podcast. If you haven't done that already, I'd really appreciate it. I'm also on Rockfin if you want to get... The video version for $9.99 a month, uh, you get access to premium content from everybody on Rockfin. So that's a great deal, uh, and you'll be able to get the long-form interview there as well. So that's, again, www.theshiftnow.com. Hope to hear you. Uh, hope to see you there. And uh, 
Just to let you know, next week I've got Alana Freeland coming on. She is the great geoengineering expert. She's written a couple of uh, a couple of books on that topic, and she's coming up with a new book that's not quite out yet, but we're going to promo it uh, next week, which combines the whole transhumanist movement with the geoengineering thing. So it's a real big picture, uh, but it's going to take the the macro, the geoengineering, and show the relationship with the micro, the transhumanists, what's happening, what they're doing, trying to do with the nanotechnology inside of our bodies. Um, so that's going to be a great conversation. So hope to catch you uh, on that one too. That'll be interesting. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care.